Oh, 
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you're watching this. It's Sunday morning. Uh, today, though, I'm recording this. It's Thursday. And so we are in the middle of this election kind of craziness, waiting to see the final outcome uh, by today, Sunday, your day. Uh, I think we probably, hopefully, know, right, who the president of the United States is. Hopefully we got that cleared up. America has just on, gone through a crazy voting of who's president, but God is our leader, right? God is the one who we follow. God is the one we lead. And so I hope and pray that you are staying close to the Lord. Your mind and heart is on him. And um, uh, we're, we're just excited about that, okay? Uh, we, we have began this uh, to embark on this journey on prayer, prayer, living on a prayer. We're calling this series Living on a Prayer. It's this journey that we're taking with Jesus in prayer, and we began our prayer wall. And so um, prayer needs, prayer requests, prayer things, we are throwing up on this board and um, praying for whatever it is that's on your heart and uh but number one, our first priority is that we, we put ourselves on the board before we put our list of things we want to make sure God has us. And so hopefully you've given your life to Jesus. You've confessed him, repented of your sin. You've been baptized into Christ and you are walking with him. And every day we wake up and we give him us first. And then all those other things will be added unto us, right? That's what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God, you, me. Seek first his kingdom. Give God you first. And so want to get your name on our board. We'd love to do that. Just send it to me. Say, hey, man, put me on, my, put me on your prayer board. And um, people will come in and begin to pray over these things and just give them to God. Last week... We said that prayer is turning to God. It's, it's like turning our, our attention to the Lord. It's like giving God us and saying, God, here I am. 
and we face him and we say, God, I, I'm not going to be facing other things. I'm going to face you and I'm going to give you me. And I want God just to hear from you and, and to be guided by your Holy Spirit, Lord. And so we ask God to do that. We turn to God. It's a move that we must make, and it's a move that we must make often. Corey Ten Boom has said a lot of really good things, but one of the things she said is this, is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Big difference between the two, right? Big difference between the steering wheel of your life and the spare tire of your life. And so turning to God means, God, you're the steering wheel. You're the steering wheel. You're not the spare tire. You're not just something I do once in a while or once a week, or I just think about you when I'm getting ready to eat. Prayer is about facing God, turning to God constantly and always, and living our lives as though he is guiding and directing and in charge of our life. Well, this week, I want to share with you this. Prayer Prayer is hosted by the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at a passage of scripture here in a minute. And uh, that, that just tells us and helps us understand what this means. That prayer, when we pray to God, we have a host living inside. It's if we've accepted Jesus as Lord. And that host living inside of us that we call the Holy Spirit, he is our host to heaven. He is, he is, he is God living in us, poured out into us, and the Holy Spirit of God, he is our host. He lives in us, and his job, part of what he's doing inside of us, is connecting us to the Father. He is the operator of our connection to the Father. And without the Holy Spirit living in our lives, if you never accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit isn't in your life, then you don't have a connection to the Father. The Holy Spirit is the connection, and he's got to be invited by you into your life. And when we do that, we submit to him, and we surrender to him, and we obey him, Jesus is Lord of our life, then the Holy Spirit comes in, and he is our host. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to look, okay, today. Romans chapter 8, great passage of scripture in Romans 8. I want to start a little bit ahead of where we're going to get but, but just listen to these verses. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Let's dig together in the Word of God. We're in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. Okay, beginning in verse 18. When we get to our passage in verse 26, I'll throw it on the board. But right now, take your app out on your phone, Romans 8. Open up your Bible, Romans 8. Have a pen. Be ready to underline, circle, let the Lord God, speak to your heart as we go through this. Okay, here we go. Verse 18, I consider it that, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation awaits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know 
Paul says, he's writing this to the Romans, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up into this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You hear that? That's amazing. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What a great passage, right? He talks really quickly in this. I want to just touch on a couple things about our great glory that we have in Jesus, this hope that we're looking forward to one day out there in the future, hasn't happened yet. That hope is greater than in comparison to anything that we are going through now, whatever we may be going through, as bad as it could possibly ever get for you in this world, the hope that we have blows it away. It's so much greater that the worst things that could ever happen to us in this world are tiny in comparison. He talks in here about the creation, that even the creation itself, because of sin, because of Adam and Eve and their decision to, to, to not listen or not obey God and to rebel against God and go against what God said in the garden, because of sin, all of creation is going through this, this trial and suffering with us. It's not just us as people, but it's the whole creation is suffering. Look what he says. He uses these words. The whole creation is frustrated. Okay, Some of the, Most of these things can easily apply to you and me as we think about how life is for us. Frustrated, in bondage, to decay. And he says the whole creation is groaning. The curse of the creation because of Adam's and Eve's sin has frustrated all of the world. Everything is in, is in this, this sense of brokenness. Everything. It's why we have disease. It's why we have crime. It's why we have, uh, you know, murder and all the things that are going on in our world that, that have been going on since the beginning and, and will go on until Jesus comes again. All those things are a result of the curse of creation because sin has come. And the, the God of this age, who is Satan, is in temporary charge of the planet. And so the whole world is groaning. He says groaning, and that's a key word, groaning. It's this insideness of, of just like hurting, like when you're hurt so bad. I don't know if you've ever gotten hurt so bad that you can't even like express anything other than this just inner, just this inner like pain of just moaning and groaning. That's what the whole creation is doing. And then he says, not just the creation, but us too, we are a part of this broken groaningness and the curse that has come upon the planet and our sin, our, our jumping into rebellion against God and our own sin has left us all separated from God and groaning. And he says, waiting eagerly for our adoption and for redemption and for Jesus to come and make all things new again. That is so cool, isn't it? 
I mean, that's our hope. That's what we're looking forward to. That's why we go day to day and we can go on and on. We can face every day no matter what happens is because we are waiting for something much greater, our hope in what is to come. All right, let's get to our passage. Verse 26, he says this. In the same way, okay, according to what he just said about creation and our hope and all these things, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. There's that word again, groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now that is huge. That's a mouthful. That's, that's powerful. This is a truth that when we begin to dig into this and realize this and, and begin to seek this and begin to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, we become more connected to God. Our, our connection to him gets, gets a little bit clearer. We begin to understand that what prayer is in our life and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life to help us in our connection to God, to hear him and for him to be able to speak to us inside of you. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord and the Holy Spirit now lives inside you, he is there to listen to the Father, to communicate with the Father, even though he's not using your physical body to do this. He just is in tune with the Father. And the more we get in tune with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the more we'll hear what the Father, God, has to say to us. And so the Holy Spirit, he is God, and he has come to dwell in you. He is our host. He is, this is so good, he is our kingdom host sent from above and working in you and working in me as believers in Christ. Isn't that cool? So here's what he's up to. Here's what the Holy Spirit is up to. Just three things real quick. The Holy Spirit is up to this. He, he brings with him, when he comes into your life, he brings with him the first fruits. Look at verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have he says, the first fruits of the Spirit. Did you catch that? The first fruits always represents the very first, the first 10%. The tithe, what God calls us to give, is the very first, not the leftover, not the spare tire in a sense, but the first and the best. That's what the first fruits were, the best of the first harvest. And that's what God wants from us and that's what God has given to us. He has given us the first fruits of the spirits. And the fruits first fruits of the spirits is his presence in our lives and the gifts that he brings into our life. The fruit of the spirit that we read about in Ephesians, right? Or, or Galatians, I'm sorry, in Galatians. A joy and love and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He is, the Spirit is these things in our life. He is that first fruit of the Spirit living in us. And so when he comes in, he brings with him all these really deep, strong, powerful 
qualities of God into our life. Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit as a deposit. And check out what Paul says about this. In 2 Corinthians 1.22, he says, God has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What's that? That's our hope. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. He is a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Also in chapter 5, verse 5, again he says, he put his spirit in us as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, he says, having believed, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See, what Paul is saying in, in Ephesians and what he's saying in Corinthians and what he's saying in, in Romans is the same. He's saying the Holy Spirit has come to live in you. Here in our passage, he is the first fruit has come and he's come to dwell in you. Here and now on this planet, as we live in this flesh, working in us. That's what God is doing, what he's up to in his Holy Spirit in your life. But, but the best is yet to come. The glory is still to come. The hope of the completion of it all is not yet happened. It is still to come. But the Holy Spirit is like your down deposit for that day. Okay? It's, it's God has sealed you and he's put a deposit in you, guaranteeing you that one day things are going to get a whole lot better. Okay? No matter what happens on the planet. First... First fruits, first, the word first insinuates a second or more, right? It, it insinuates that God is not completed. It's not done. He's in the works. We have, what we have here is this glorious taste of, of all of heaven, of all of eternity, of all of life, of all of what God is. We, we on this planet, in these bodies, in this broken world, what we have right now is a taste of what is to come. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's insane. His glory to come is far greater than the glory that any of us have already experienced or that we're experiencing at this time. And so the Holy Spirit is working in us. He is the deposit. And a deposit isn't the full amount. It's a partial of the whole. And what we anticipate is the completion one day out there. And we eagerly await our adoption as children of God complete. And what we, what we eagerly await is our final redemption, is what Paul is saying to the Romans, that one day it will all be complete, and one day it'll be so much greater than it ever has been up to this moment. But he... What we need to understand for now is this deposit living in us, the Holy Spirit, he is more than enough for now. He is far more than you will ever need for now. The deposit living in you is greater than anything in this world. He comes into our lives and he brings spirit gifts. And he is our, that word again, kingdom host. He is from the kingdom of God, not from this world. And he has come into this world to dwell in you and in me. And he is our kingdom host. Isn't that so amazing that we have a heavenly host living in us, 
to help us communicate with the Father, to, to help us in our life. How awesome and how amazing. Who else would we rather have living in us than the Holy Spirit of God, the creator of all things, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who is love and grace and goodness. He has come to live in us. God has given us his very best, the first fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, secondly, Paul says he helps us. What's the Holy Spirit doing in our life? He's there to help us. He's there to help us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. He helps us. He's our helper. As frail humans, jars of clay is what we are, brittle vessels, that is what we are as human beings. We think we're big and bad and strong. We think we can take on everything. And we, many of us walk around like nothing ever bothers us. But in an instant, God could crush us so quickly. We, we, we really have no idea how we're, we're going to, to, um, to respond to something way beyond our control. We have no idea how we're going to respond to that. I can tell you personally that in the midst of, of, of a heated, heated uh, uh, shock, or surprise that scared the living daylights out of me, it reduced me to the ground. I mean, <laughs> it scared me so bad that I just collapsed. My body just gave out and I, I went down into a fetal position on that night. I remember it really well. We have no idea how we're gonna respond. Our bodies are so frail and so fragile and we are jars of clay. We can't handle the power of the enemy. And we sure can't handle the power of God in our life. And so the Holy Spirit, he's our go-between, right? He is our power adapter. He's our cushion spiritually in the power of God coming to live in us. We could not hold that power without the Holy Spirit being in us to help us. He's our spiritual host that allows us to have a relationship with God. And then not to explode into a billion pieces when God does come in. I mean, it's like lightning hitting a tree and it just explodes, right? That's truly what would happen to you and me if God truly zapped us with his power, we would just burst into splinters, right? Reduced to a puddle of humanity. But the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he allows us, he's that, he's that condenser of spiritual power that allows us as human beings to be able to have a relationship and the power and the presence of God living in our lives. We don't know what we should pray. You see what he says? We don't know what we should pray before God, really. We do not know what we ought to pray. We don't know. We come up with words. And if you pray long enough and you've been around it long enough, you can pray good prayers. You can say things that are, that are you know, good and helpful and caring and considerate and, and thoughtful. You know, we can do that and we can muster up good words to say to God in the right frame of mind and, and just honestly to God, sincerely to God. But really, deep within our very soul, we don't have a clue. We have no way of really expressing to God what we should or what, what, what he even wants to hear. We pray for people, we pray for things, we pray for situations. We pray for our aunts and our uncles. We pray for people to come to know Jesus. We pray good things and important prayers. But God knows our heart. And deep within us, we have no idea what we should really pray, which is why the scripture says, 
When you come before the Lord, let your words be few. Come to listen, not to speak. Come to hear from God. The Holy Spirit that's living in us to help us wants to communicate with God the Father. And so sometimes what prayer just needs to be is us just getting quiet and letting the Holy Spirit in us communicate with the Father and then help us as an individual walking on the earth as a person to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Prayer. We don't know what we should pray, but our host, he knows. He knows. And the Father communicates with the Spirit of God in us. That's what he says. Look at the words. With groans that words cannot express. So deep, so powerful, so meaningful. We can't even come up with the words to say, but the Holy Spirit knows. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows what we should pray. He knows what we ought to pray. And he helps us. Remember Jesus said in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He dwells within you. He came to dwell within you. He's our counselor. He's our comforter to be with us. He says forever in John 14 and John 16. He will teach you, John says. He will convict the world of sin and he will guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit in our lives is trying to do communicate with the father and help guide us in this world and we have to take time to listen focus listen to the word of god let the word of god dwell in you richly like like let it transform you but let the holy spirit work through the word of god as he moves in our life so our host what he does is he comes alongside us to help us in our faith walk with the father help us pray to the father and he is in you as a believer to help you. The Holy Spirit has come to help us. The host inside you wants to help you. And finally, number three, this, verse 27. And he who searches our hearts. Okay, so what does the Holy Spirit do? He is of God and he's there to search your heart. And what he does is a deep dive search into your heart, right? Think about it. If you thought when you go to the airport and they do this search and they x-ray you and they look through your clothing and they wand your body and they're looking for stuff. If you think that invades your privacy, that is nothing. That is nothing compared to what the Holy Spirit and the Father are doing in your life. Hebrews chapter 4 says this. Check it out. The Word of God is living and it's active. It's alive. It's active. It's, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. He says, nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from him. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Do you get that? God, through his Holy Spirit living in you, is doing this deep dive search of your life. And when the Spirit comes in through your faith in Jesus, you repent, you're washed in baptism, the blood of Christ washes away your sins and you're born again in Christ and he forgives you and the spirit comes in to live in you and he goes to work in you he goes to work in your heart in your mind searching every crevice every thought every act all your motives sifting searching revealing 
bringing to your attention the things that are deep within you because ultimately it has got to be your act of will to do something about the things in your life. God doesn't force you to honor him, to obey him, to live for him. It's a choice every one of us have to make. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see the things in our life that, that we need to weed out, that we need to get rid of, that we need to take care of, that, that we need to give to God and let God help us overcome them. In the medical field, you know, they, they use scopes, right? These tiny little scopes, they're almost like a wire, and they go up your veins if you have a heart issue, and they go into your heart, and they're searching, and they're looking in your heart. You see all these little bubbles and, and cells and tissue and all this stuff. As you look through that, there's a little light on there, and they're scoping you out, and they're looking for blockages, and they're looking for issues, and they're looking for maybe leaks, and they're looking for things in your body deep within you. That's a perfect picture of what the Holy Spirit is doing, only in a spiritual sense. He doesn't need a camera because nothing, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Every thought, thoughts, not even physical things, thoughts, attitudes of your heart, why you do what you do, your motives. God is searching deep within you. The Spirit is moving in you, searching you. He is God. He is dwelling in you. And so he knows. He just knows everything about you. So the best thing you can do is listen to the host that is living in you. He knows your heart. He knows the Father. And he intercedes for us in accordance with with God's will. So he's helping us understand and carry out the will of God. In our weakness, he is made strong. In our loss, he knows exactly what to say. When words can't be found, he speaks to the Father for us with groans, with spirit groans that, that words cannot be mustered to say. Right? He's, our, he's our spiritual interpreter or translator to the Father. When we don't even know what to say, the Holy Spirit helps us speak to the Father in us. Interceding, interceding, right? He's our advocate. He, he stands for us and with us. He is the bridge. He is the, the bridge representing us to the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Our glorious kingdom host. That's what he is in our life. He's our kingdom host. He's our kingdom host. And he loves you. Prayer is hosted by the Holy Spirit. In prayer, we turn to God. In prayer, we turn our lives to God. We say, God, here I am. We face God. Toe to toe, eye to eye. And by his grace, we don't melt. But he allows us to come into his presence. He gives us confidence to come into his presence to face him. And he lets his Holy Spirit come and dwell in us to be our host so that, so that the power of God can flow in us without reducing us to a puddle. If you're in a boat up and out on the ocean where you can't see shore, maybe you have too. If you're out on a boat out on the ocean and you're uh, capsized, you capsize, your boat flips. And you're out there in the middle of the ocean and your boat is gone. And all of a sudden you hear the helicopter swirling over you. And it's the Coast Guard, it's the Coast Guard. And now you've been floating in the water, hopefully with a life jacket, maybe for 
for hours, maybe for days, hoping that a shark doesn't take your legs off, right? You're, you're in there and the sun has been beating down on you or maybe a storm and this helicopter above you and a man comes down out of the helicopter and he jumps into the water and this harness is lowered from the helicopter. If that were you, if that were you in that situation, the Coast Guard shows up above and they send down this man and they send down this harness, you don't fight him. You don't fight him. You might panic, you might be freaked out, you might not know what to do, but, but, but in your right mind, you don't fight him. You listen. You listen to him because he's the expert. You trust him because he has come to save you. And you work with him because it's your life on the line. And the Holy Spirit in your life is doing the very same thing. He's here to, to be our host, to help us, to search us, to bring into our life the, the qualities of God. And he wants to work through you. And so what we do is we just listen, take time to listen to God. Read the word, let the Holy Spirit penetrate your life and, and help you understand what it is that God is doing. Just get quiet before the Lord sometimes. You don't have to say much. Just get quiet and let the Holy Spirit in you speak to the Father, communicate with the Father, and then help you to understand what it is that he's up to. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. And we need you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells in those who believe. Thank you that we can hear you through the work and the power of the host that you have sent to dwell in us. God, we need you so much. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds to what you're doing in our life, Father. We love you and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And God bless you. Have a great week. Please be safe and pray.